Baltic on our midweek fix. It's good to be with you, Pastor Toby. Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy. We got special guest, actually, Larry Elder in the studio with us. Good to have him. <laughs> we'll be introducing him here in a minute. In the studio on a screen. Um, yeah. But before we get there. He's with us. We're actually going to be in Rapid City yes, we with Larry. Are. We're going to be in Rapid City for our Liberty <laughs> wait, Tour. Wait, wait, Let's hope that Larry still wants to come to Rapid City. On After a this. Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> no, he already signed. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. Make sure I, saw, I saw his signature. Okay, good, good. All right. Good. On April 7th, we're going to be in Rapid City. Remember, we were there a year ago. Yep. Uh, South Dakota's- They invited us back. The only state in the union that didn't close down for the covid Craze. Craze. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be there for our Liberty Tour with special guests, including comedian John Branion, yeah. mm -hmm. Uncle Gary DeMar. Yes. Right. He's doing a God in Government seminar that yep. day, right? Yeah. We, we. And we are and with it, Uncle Gary. We are too. Yeah. He's, he's going to let us. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah exactly. Wow. That's okay, good. <laughs> I'll hold his coffee. It's going that direction. Yeah, and absolutely. Mr. Larry Elder will also be with us there in Rapid City, April 7th. Go to crosspolitic.com slash Liberty Tour to register today yeah uh, before uh -huh. it before, it before tickets up. go out yeah. it's gonna fill up. so now that you've already signed up for rapid city yep. you also want to get your calendar out and save the dates for our national conference in knoxville tennessee october 6th through the 8th this fall knoxville Ooh. tennessee october 6th through the 8th it's fire the theme of this year's conference is lies propaganda storytelling and the serrated edge oh Ooh. satan is the father of lies and spin glory and the mother of those lies and spin is a government that has rejected god and his word we have i like our government we have especially been lied to these last two years mm -hmm. and the covid panic has been one of the central mechanisms that our government has used to lie to us spin the stories and grab more power because christians have not been reading their bibles no. we are susceptible to the lies mm -hmm. and we are weak in our ability to fight those lies but god's given us his word to fight a satan and all his lies and we need to recover all of god's word even those serrated edge parts that's right even the parts that punch you in the face that's right mark your calendars for october 6th through the 8th as we fight laugh and feast with fellowship there will be beer and psalms on the mm. first night mm. our amazing lineup of speakers hanging with our awesome vendors meeting new friends and more early bird tickets will be available starting in the middle of march so save the mm. dates that's good i'm excited yeah uh, after 20 years leading the way in Los Angeles on KABC, Larry Elder joined Salem Media Group, and in April 2016, Salem Radio Network relaunched his nationally syndicated radio show. He's known as the Sage from South Central. Mm. Whoa. Okay. Is, he's still in California? And he's <laughs> un unafraid to take on liberals and the Black Lives Matter movement with common sense. Larry, thank you for joining us on CrossPolitik. It is my, my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. So, Larry, we're going to play one of my, uh, I'm sorry, one of the favorite games ever on Cross Politics. It's yeah. called 20 Questions. And here's how the game goes We're going to ask you 20 questions. It's going to start with something like this. And then we're going to ask you a question, and you get 60 seconds to respond to it. And now here's the deal. We're not going to ask you any more questions after that one question, so you get to say whatever you want to. We're not going to argue with you. We're going to let you go. All right? All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> like, oh, all, right, all right. What am here I walking into? 20 questions begins now. Hey. Oh, oh, oh. Got, uh, got to pay back. So, Larry, what's your next move as the black face of white supremacy? Uh, that was James Brown, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, well, 
I, I've set up a political action committee, gentlemen, called elderforamerica.com. And I'm asking people to throw a little something in a tip jar because we want to do something about uh, these thoughts on crime DAs. We're going to do something to, to uh, help Republicans in swing states, swing districts, take back the House, take back the Senate. We're campaigning against um, critical race theory. We're campaigning in favor of school choice. And so that's what I'm doing in the uh, intermediate term. Long term, I've kept the door open for a possible future political run. But guys, the, the math here in California is daunting. Yeah. In 2003, we had the successful recall of the Democratic governor. Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor. Since then, there are now 5% more registered Democrats in California. There are 50% more registered independents, and independents in California vote Democrat. And there are 33% fewer registered Republicans. Oh. And still on the replacement side, I got close to 49% of the vote, which is a little bit better than Arnold Schwarzenegger did with a much better electoral map. I got more votes than all the other 45 rivals on the replacement side combined. I raised more money than all of the major candidates combined. And California has 58 counties on the replacement side. I carry 57, 58. The only one I didn't carry was San Francisco. And I lost that by a whopping 149 votes. Wow. And we didn't spend one dime or one minute campaigning there. And I almost kept that, uh, got that county as well. So we did extremely well, but we still got pounded. Uh, Gavin Newsom won by the same margin that he won to get his job, although he had to spend 50% more per voter to keep his job. Mm. Uh, and we scared him. Uh, in came, in came uh, uh, Joe Biden to campaign for Gavin Newsom. Uh, Barack Obama cut a commercial for him. Elizabeth Warren cut a commercial for him. Bernie Sanders cut a commercial for him. Kamala Harris criticized it. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi criticized it. But none of those persons who came in to defend Gavin Newsom said the following words, gentlemen. Gavin Newsom has done a good job for the people of California. <laughs> all, they said was, stop, all they said was stop Republican takeover. And I was called a Trump wannabe, a Trump light, more Trump than Trump, a Trump Republican. I was called everything but a child of God. And again, they never talked about a Gavin Newsom's record on crime, yeah. on homelessness, on the way he shut down the state in a more severe way than did any of the other 49 governors. The fact that people are leaving California for the very first time, this state, guys, is 170 years old. For the first time, we're having a net migration out of California. That's never happened before. Wow. We have rolling brownouts because of bad energy management. We have uh, fire season because of bad uh, forest management. Nobody ever said Gavin Newsom has done a good job with any of the above things I just now mentioned. All they said was Trump, Elder, Elder Trump, Elder Republican <laughs> Trump, Elder, and it worked. You just. Wow. You just whine. Larry up. Just go. Just whine Larry up and he's out of here. All right, let's mix it up. So what's your favorite sports team and why is it baseball? I'm sorry, that just came out wrong. <laughs> My favorite sports team is the Cleveland Browns. Even though I'm from LA, what? I moved to Cleveland when I was 27 years old. I'm telling you, and I worked uh, at a law firm there and then I started a small business. And at first, I, you know, I came from LA. You know, we were, we're a team of winners, the Rams, the, the Dodgers, yep. the Lakers. And I come to this town and I'm uh -oh. like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> and little by little, I started, 
Little by little, I started getting into the culture. You, you'll appreciate this story. Remember that movie called Major League? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It came out a few years ago. It was about Cleveland, an awful team. In comes Charlie Sheen. In comes Wesley Snipes. And suddenly they win the championship. So the guy that wrote the movie is from Cleveland. They had the motion picture debut in Cleveland, downtown Cleveland. No pictures debut downtown Cleveland except for this one. So I go there with my girlfriend. The theater is packed. And you... You remember the end, ending scene? It's the seventh game of the World Series, and Charlie Sheen goes in there, and they have the gun, and he shows throws 96 miles an hour, 98 miles an hour, last pitch 101 miles an hour, strikes the guy out, and people go nuts. They win the World Series. I turned to my girlfriend while people were cheering. I said, "Are they aware this is a movie?" Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they, they just this they just want to win. This ain't real Cleveland. <laughs> All right. Why does critical theory lead to slavery? Well, from what I can tell, and everybody has a different, different, a different definition of critical race theory. But what I can tell is, uh, it is a philosophy that says every kind of inequity, every kind of uh, lack of, of of balance, whether it's difference in net worth, difference in income. Uh, is because of systemic racism in America. And it's a bunch of crap. Uh, in 1940, 87% of blacks lived, before, lived below the federally defined level of poverty. In 1960, that number had reached 47. Uh, that was a 40-point drop in 20 years. This is well before the Civil Rights Act of 64, well before the Rights Act, well before the modern civil rights movement. What happened is people just worked, and when you work, even under the, the worst conditions, you're going to improve. There's a book called Up From Slavery, written by Booker T. Washington. Yep. It came out in 1901, 36 years after slavery. This is a man who was born a slave. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of whenever a Negro boy or girl learns to cook, uh, to wash dishes, to sew, uh, to practice medicine as well as or better than somebody else, he or she will be rewarded. Uh, that is a great human law that cannot be permanently nullified. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if, if government got out of the way, government got out of the way and all this welfare stuff got out of the way, we'd be much better off. What's happened, the, the real imbalance is this, guys. In 1965, 25% of black kids entered the world without a father married to the mother. That's right. Now, 70% of black kids entered the world without a father married to the mother. Yep. And forget about elder, Barack Obama once said, a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. Now, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, how in the world do we go from black kids entering the world without a father married to the mother in America was more racist than right now to 70% right now. That's yep. the question we ought to be asking ourselves, and we're not. And what's happened is government, uh, blacks have substituted government for family and for God. Yep. That's the problem. Yeah. Hey, wow. He started, pre- he started preaching there a little bit. Okay. Boom shakalaka like a boom So, Larry, how many times did you give President Biden a standing ovation last night during the State of the Union address? <laughs> And, uh, and and if you'd given the speech or the rebuttal, what would you say? Well, you know, this is a guy who has divided this country severely. Uh, the, the part that bothered me the most about the speech was the implication that somehow Republicans are trying to stop black people from voting. Why would Republicans who are trying to reach out to blacks, expand the base, get Hispanics and Asian Americans, why would they have a concerted effort to stop black people from voting? Mm. It doesn't make any sense. It's insulting. Furthermore, in 2008, when Obama got elected, for the first time in our nation's history, the percentage of eligible black voters who voted exceeded 
exceeded the percentage of eligible white voters who voted. How can that be if the Republicans are engaging in voter suppression? It is absolute nonsense. And there have been studies on this, uh, one done by a professor from Yale, uh, from Stanford, and from Penn, and they all uh, found that the alleged voter suppression measures, which basically mean make sure you are who you are uh, when you vote, uh, has no effect one way or the other on the black vote, on the Hispanic vote. The whole thing is a crock, it's a lie. And the reason the left does this is because 13% of the population, which is black, uh, they vote historically 95% or so for the Democratic Party. Why? Because they've taught black people that America is systemically racist, and we Democrats wear the white hat, and those uh, SOBs over there, the Republicans, they wear the black hat. And if you want to make sure you have a good future, pull the lever for us. Never mind what they've done to the family, never never mind what they've done uh, in opposing school choice uh, that uh, urban black parents and brown parents want. When I ran for governor, I pointed out that 75% of third grade black boys in California could not read at state levels of proficiency mm-hmm. in our government schools. I don't call them public schools. I call them government schools. Yes, sir. 75%. And by the way, those levels are low because they lower them all the time so they can meet them. Yeah. And the math scores are even worse. Half of all third graders in our government schools cannot read at state levels of proficiency. Math scores even worse. And yet the Democrat and the Democrat uh, party, largely funded by the teachers union, uh, opposes school choice. One more quick point. The people that know the school system the best aren't putting their own kids in it. Uh, nationwide, around 10% of families have their kids in private school, around 6% of black families do. 44% of Philadelphia public school teachers with school-age kids put their own kids in private schools. 39% of Chicago public school teachers with school-age kids put their own kids in private school. Wow. 28% of kids at, our, at my district here in L.A. who have school-age kids put their own kids in private schools. It's the equivalent of opening up a restaurant, putting up a sign saying, come on in, eat the food. We sure won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I got this. I got this. All right. So Wait, first of all, Larry mine. earlier said that the Democrats wear white hats and we, they, they do literally wear the, the white, the white oh, hats the white all, all, all the way down. It comes all, it comes all the way down. Right? Yeah. True. Yeah. So and that's true. As you know, as you know, Democrats yep. founded the Klan. That's right. That's right. That's right. I didn't say Democratic Party, but Democrats founded the Klan. In fact, the Klan used to be called the terror wing of the Democrat Party. And as a percentage of the party. Uh-oh. More Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act of 64 than yep. did Democrats. Mm-hmm. Al Gore's dad participated in what was then the longest filibuster in the history of the Senate in order to prevent the Civil Rights Bill of 64 from coming on the floor of the Senate for a vote. This is the kind of history they don't teach wow. during Black History Month. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even ask him a question. <laughs> and he just got, kind of went on. But he knew the answer. But yeah, he knew the answer. He knew what I was thinking. Hey, should, should we celebrate Black History Month? Of course not. It's History Month. You know, there's a very interesting exchange that Morgan Freeman did with uh, Mike Wallace, a host of the uh, 60 Minutes some years ago. I remember that. And Morgan Freeman said he did not want a Black History Month. Uh, and Mike Wallace said, why? And Morgan Freeman said, do you want a White History Month? And Mike Wallace said, I'm Jewish. He said, okay, do you want a Jewish History Month? And Mike Wallace said, no. He says, neither do I. Yeah. It's American history. Mm. You know, Americans have, blacks have shed blood in every major, in every war in America, including the Revolutionary War. In fact, the first person to shed blood was Christmas Attucks, a black man. 
uh, blacks shed blood during uh, during the Revolutionary War, during the Civil War, during World War One, World War Two, Korea. Every single uh, war, blacks have shed blood. We are part of this country. I tell you something else I dislike: the term African American. Yeah. What is that? Well, <laughs> I'm from I'm from Los Angeles. My dad is from Athens, Georgia. My mom's from Huntsville, Alabama. What is this African dash American stuff? When did that happen? How did that happen? That was Jesse Jackson uh, in, I think it was in the 90s or so. He started using that term, and within days, the media began using it. It's divisive. It suggests I'm something other than an American. I'm an American who is black. I'm proud to be an American who is black, but I'm not an African-American. And when you go out of the country, uh, as you know, go out of the country, uh, they don't call you African-American, a black American. They call you an American. Uh, And that's what I am. I'm an American who is black. And I really do not use that term African-American ever, except when I'm quoting somebody else. I wish we only knew how Larry Elder really felt. I I wish wish we knew. I think he's holding back. Okay. Gabe, you stepped on my foot on this one, so this was mine. I did. I did. One more quick thing. Okay. One one more quick thing. Uh, I I suggest you go on YouTube sometime and Google uh, Smokey Robinson African-American and stand back. Uh, at one of those MT, uh, 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 BET rap jams, whatever you call it, he did a, like a like a nine minute poem on why he doesn't like being called African American, and it's a poor divorce. And I agree with everything I'm said. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, then let's just go. Let's go to the bonus round. <laughs> there we go. All right, Larry. So here's the deal: is uh, when is wokeism gonna die, or is it going to die? It's a cancer. I hope they uh, figure out some sort of vaccine for it. But I'm telling you, it's affected academia. It's affected our media. It's affected Hollywood. Uh, it's affected big tech. Uh, it's, it's a cancer. And it's, what's interesting about it is America has never been less racist. Uh, America has never been more on guard uh, for racism. Uh, you do, you know, there, there's a, um, a writer named John O'Sullivan. He writes, used to write for the National Review, the conservative magazine that was yeah. founded by William F. Buckley. And years ago, he said, white racism exists, but its social power is weak. The social power against it is overwhelming. I mean, look at, remember the guy that founded Papa John's? He's on some uh, some call with investors. And he made some uh, in, indelicate remark and about race. I think he used the N-word, you know, in context. And uh, he ended up having to resign. Uh, as soon as anybody sees any sign of racism, they get piled on. I mean, it's never been a less significant factor in American life, but it's never been something that people have been more concerned about. This guy, Ibram X. Kendi, the one that goes around calling yeah. himself an anti-racist, he had a children's book out called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Basically, indoctrinating kids into believing that if you're white, you are inherently an oppressor, and if you're black, you are inherently a victim. And it's just outrageous. But it's a children's book. It's been infused in our in our school system at the element at the elementary level. The teachers are reading it. It's indoctrinating a bunch of kids into believing that they are units, they're racial units, or religious units, or ethnic units, as opposed to an American. Whatever happened to the principle that MLK pushed? A colorblind society where people are evaluated based upon content of character, not color of skin. I know this. Uh, when I was called the black face of white supremacy, a white male didn't call me that. There was a black female. Mm. Uh, when my views were called white supremacists, there wasn't a white man who did that. It was a, a Latina reporter who did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same reporter referred to uh, Stephen Miller uh, as a uh, as a hate monger. I mean, 
this, the whole idea of Joe Biden wanting to choose somebody because she is a black female is yeah. offensive to me. Yeah. I said the same thing, by the way, when Ronald Reagan said he wanted to put a female on the Supreme Court, and when Donald Trump said the same thing about yep. putting a female yep. on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. How about putting on somebody who's going to do what John Roberts talked about, which is calling balls and strikes? If I'm a black batter, do I need a black umpire to call the balls and strikes? If I'm a <laughs> Latina... If I'm a Latin pitcher, do I need a Latin umpire to call the balls and the strikes? This whole concept of a color-coordinated society conflicts with MLK's view of a color-blind society. Man, yep. that's right. That's true. Man, 100%. You're not wrong. Larry, what's, what's the number one thing we should not do, and what's the number one thing you think we absolutely must do with regard to the Ukraine-Russia conflict? Mm. We need to give them more more material. We need to give them more weaponry. We're not going to put boots on the ground. There's no stomach for that after Afghanistan and after Iraq. I'm conflicted about this no-fly zone that I heard some Ukrainian lawmakers want because you do a no-fly zone and you are putting yourself uh, in the in the at risk of having some sort of conflict uh, with a Russian plane, and then you're at war with a nuclear power. Furthermore, my understanding is that. Um, uh, the Russian Air Force has not gained air superiority, mm-hmm. which is what they want. Uh, and if you put a no-fly zone, uh, that means that, that pretty much accomplishes the same the same thing as as uh, that the Russians patrolling the the air and right. making sure that the uh, Ukrainians never never patrol the air as well. So I, I'm not sure that 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 would. It seems to me that might be counterproductive. But clearly, they need more uh, more more material, and clearly, we need to shut down our purchases of Russian oil. We're purchasing 670,000 barrels per day, putting $67 million uh, in the pockets of Vladimir Putin per day, and it's ridiculous. Here we are furnishing the war machine while trying to fight it. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. So, this is not wrong. Okay, Gabe, you get the last question. Oh, this is the last one? Yeah, man. He's, this is, he doesn't know it's 60 seconds. He did his he 44 like, minutes with us? He's done with his 44 minutes? Larry goes on. He, he, and you don't stop, Larry. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. So this is this is a kind of a two-part question here. You know, you know what Gabe's going to do? He's going to ask like four questions. Four I guess, I guess, yeah, this is how I do it. Um, my, my, my late... My late- Brother, who's my best friend, said Larry could talk a monkey out of his last peanut and sell it back to him retail. <laughs> I'm grabbing my wallet right now just That's to make great. sure. <laughs> That's great. All right, so this is a two-part question. First is, um, are you going to grow your mustache back for our live show in, in Rapid City? Okay, and then, and then secondly, uh, why are you coming out to Rapid City with us to do a live show? Quick mustache story. I've had mustache ever since I was 19 years old. And like a lot of black men, I use something called magic shade, which is like a, a depilatory. It's like nair. And you mix it with water. You put it on your face. You wait about 10 minutes and scrape it off. It's a pain in the butt to do it, but I've done it since I was 19 years old. And then one morning, this is about 15 years ago, I get up at three o'clock in the morning. I had to go and give a speech and I'm half asleep and I put too much on one side. So I had to narrow it on the other side. And I put too much on that side. And then I put too much on that side. Next thing you know, I had this little thing right here. <laughs> Only one guy has that. Only one guy. Two guys. Two guys. Uh, one is, is uh, Michael Jordan in a Haynes commercial. And the other one, you know who. Yeah. So I took the whole thing off. And I looked at my face. And again, I had not had a clean face since I was 18 years old. And I look so different. So I go to work. And the guy who's uh, at the desk when you walk in there is named George. George is a black man. He's got a mustache. I've known him for 10 years. 
I said, hey, George. He said, hey, Larry. Didn't say anything. I'm like, wow, I guess he was distracted. I go down the hall, I run into six, six or seven guys that I work with. Everybody goes, hey, Larry, nobody paid attention. I go into the bathroom, another six guys, nobody paid any attention whatsoever. I go to my little office, my producer comes in, he goes, you lost a mustache. I go, yeah. He goes, anyway, Obama's in Milwaukee. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody cared. And all these years, I thought it made a big difference on how I looked. Nobody cared. And so it's easier for me to get rid of it because I'm going to have to fool, fool around with the, uh, with the magic shave. So uh, as far as why I'm coming there, because you guys invited me. I want to I rock it with you. I want to talk about what we can do to make sure that we keep this country, get our country back to the founding fathers, uh, get our country back to Article 1, Section 8, a limited government that respects people and leaves everything else down to the people and to the individual states. I want to talk about what, what the welfare state has done to destroy the family. I want to talk about... Um, what government is supposed to do, its number one responsibility is to protect people and property, and it's not doing it. Yep. Mm. Man, I'm looking Amen. forward to that. I, am, I hope everybody else has already got their tickets. April 7th, Rapid City. Yep. I hope you're going to be there. Larry, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Looking forward to seeing you April 7th. Oh, man, what a great show. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Sunday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Larry, hold on one second. <laughs> he clapped for us. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.